there are two mitzvahs in this week's parsha, which are almost consecutive, actually. The Torah says the one after another. And the Torah adds to these mitzvahs a very interesting explanation, almost another commandment, to help us understand these mitzvahs, to help us relate to these mitzvahs. And it, it's, it's a, an unusual thing. The Torah doesn't say this that often. The first mitzvah is Lesata Mishpat Ger Yasam. Don't corrupt the judgment. Don't alter the judgment when you're judging a ger, a convert, or a yasam, or someone who is an orphan. And don't sequester the clothing of a widow. Meaning to say, if she owes money, and you're, you're allowed to take a collateral, it's permitted to take a collateral, but that her clothing, don't take her clothing as a collateral. You can't leave her without anything to wear. So these are two people that are unfortunate. They're poor. That's a gare, considered to be typically uh, a convert who has it difficult, doesn't have family, doesn't have a support system. A yasim, obviously an orphan, doesn't have parents. Uh, an amana doesn't have her husband. They're poor. They're unfortunate. Don't, don't corrupt their judgment. Don't go down too hard. If she owes you money, don't bear down too hard on her. The next mitzvah the Torah says is one of the mitzvahs of matnas aniyim, one of the different various mitzvahs we have to shear our produce while it's growing in the field with poor people. The Pasuk says, when you are uh, harvesting your vineyard, don't take oilalus. Oilalus are partially formed grape clusters. They're not fully formed. There's very specific shapes that the Torah describes. Um, the the Mishnah is described that, that you had belongs to the poor people. So, when you're harvesting your vineyard, don't take those half-formed clusters. Leave it for the ger, the convert, the orphan, and to the widow, leave it to them, that they should have it. It's one of the many matnas aniyim, there's peya, there's shikha, and this is alulus. Now, after both of these mitzvahs, not to corrupt the judgment of poor people, and to leave them matnas aniyim, to leave them of our produce that they can share, there is nearly an identical pasuk. After both of them, Torah repeats itself, almost identical. Remember that you were a slave in Mitzrayim. And Hashem redeemed you from there. And that's why I'm commanding you to do this thing. Both not corrupting their judgment, leaving them, remember you were slaves in Mitzrayim, that's, I took you out of Mitzrayim, and that's why I'm commanding you to do this thing. Now, why after these two particular mitzvahs does the Torah find it important to give this little piece of explanation that, hey, remember that you were slaves of Mitzrayim, I took you out of there, and that's why you have to do this mitzvah. The Torah seems to be giving a rationale why we should be doing this mitzvah, why we should keep this mitzvah, because Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim. Well, that's really the rationale why we do all mitzvahs, right? Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim in order to, to keep mitzvahs. What, what's, what's particular about these two mitzvahs, which deal with poor, unfortunate people, where the ger, the yasem, and almana, that the Torah gives this extra explanation, this extra commandment to, to um, remember that he took us out of Mitzrayim, Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, and is commanding us this mitzvah as a result. Now, Rashi writes on the first time the Torah mentions this, he says that this is something which costs money. And we have a problem parting with our money. It's not so easy for us to pay up. So Hashem says, remember that I took you out of Mitzrayim, you used to be slaves. Don't 
No, it shouldn't be so difficult for you to part with your money. Okay, so it gives us a little bit more insight to what the Torah is trying to do. But this is not the only place where the Torah tells us to part with our money. There's many mitzvahs that the Torah tells us to part with our money. Even Tzedakah in Parshish Re'eh, and the Torah doesn't say, remember, you were in Mitzrayim. What does the Torah want over here? So there there's two parts to this Pasuk, which are two separate points, which the Torah is commanding us to remember, to internalize, and to apply in order to be able to do these mitzvahs correctly. The first is to remember what it meant to be a slave. Remember what it meant to be a slave, to be downtrodden, to have no money, to be unfortunate. And the second is to remember that Hashem decrees who should be a slave and who should be free. You used to be a slave, and Hashem took you out of Mitzrayim. Remember that. That's why you're not a slave, because I took you out of Mitzrayim. And these are the two points that Torah wants us to remember in order to do these mitzvahs correctly. The first point, to remember what it's like. Remember that you used to be a slave. Remember what it's like to be a slave. Is that we're commanded to be fair to poor people. And in truth, we're not allowed to alter anybody's judgment. We can't corrupt the judgment of a rich person or poorest person equally. But when it comes to a poor person, the Torah wants more from us. The Torah wants us to relate to the poor person. Not simply to treat that person just as you would anybody else, because corrupting a poor person's judgment is infinitely worse. It's taking advantage of a helpless person. And Hashem wants us to internalize that fact through realizing that we were in that situation once, and we were slaves, and we were helpless, and we were oppressed. And Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim from being slaves. So Hashem commands us, identify with the poor person, identify with unfortunate people, relate to him, Feel the situation, and that's how you should approach this mitzvah of not corrupting his judgment. When you personalize something, when you remember your own time in Mitzrayim, or we can at least identify with that, that situation, we can appreciate how personal this mitzvah is. When, when a person suffers from sickness, he's so much more understanding and compassionate towards sick people. A person went through poverty. He has a special place in his heart for poor people. Many organizations, whole organizations, were founded by people who went through something and felt alone. They didn't feel supported. So they were inspired to start an organization so that other people shouldn't have to feel alone. Other people shouldn't have to feel abandoned. When you go through something, you know what it's like. And when you know what it's like, you can really emphasize with the other person and know what they need and help them. And Hashem wants that we should do this mitzvah in that way, feel together with that unfortunate person. Now, Moshe Rabbeinu exemplified this trait. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he was the prince in Mitzrayim, and he was at the top of the totem pole, he went down to see his brothers, Rayarbis of Laisam, and Harashi says he went and he carried their load together with, him, with them. He didn't just watch. He wanted to feel it. He wanted to know what it's like to have to schlep and work and servitude under the Mitzrayim, because that's really the only way to relate, to truly relate, to truly feel what other people are feeling. Mm-hmm. There's a story with the Beis HaLevi that there was a fire in his town, and as it was the nature in those days, you know, houses were very close together, they were built out of wood um, and uh, straw or whatever, and like a fire broke out, it could wipe out a whole city. So many, many Jews and many families were left without a roof on their head. They were cold and were suffering. So the Beis Levi was collecting money. He was soliciting. 
for their sake. And he went to visit a rich person and it was cold outside, it was raining, and he knocks on the door. The rich guy opens the door and he says, ah, the Beis Levi, the Rav, please come in. And the Beis Levi ignores that and just starts talking and saying, oh, do you know what's going on over here? Do you know how many families are, are outside? How many families are suffering in the rain, in the cold? And meanwhile, this, this guy is sitting and he's chattering and he's saying, you know, I'll, I'll, hear, I'll, I'll hear everything you have to say, but do you mind just coming inside? And the Beis Levi still ignores him and he keeps on talking and explaining the situation. And, and, and after the end of the conversation, again, he says, okay, I hear you, but why couldn't we have this conversation inside? And the Beis Halevi says, you don't know what they're going through unless you go through it yourself. I want you to stand here outside and freeze with me and get wet with me and then understand whole families are doing that 24-7. Now you'll be able to help them the right way. And the key is to be nice We need to really put ourselves in our friend's place when they're suffering. And it's difficult to do. But we could do it. We can do it if we make the effort to really speak with the people who are suffering, go down there and see it with our own eyes, what they're going through, and, and, and truly try to emphasize with them. Listen. And when we really listen and we try to feel in our hearts what they're going through, then we'll know what we can do to help. I remember I was in Los Angeles, Kyle, and one of the, one of the Balabatim who used to learn in the Kyle a lot, Nebuchadnezzar became sick. Him sick with Yanamacha, he was sick with cancer. Hashem, he recovered and he's better now. But at the time he was sick and he was very weak. And I remember one of the other Avrechim, a friend of mine, he went every night to that person's house and he learned with his, one of his boys, his older boys. You know, his father was sick, he couldn't learn with him anymore. He couldn't go over his homework with him. So this guy went and he did it. And I remember being like so blown away by just the thinking of that. Thinking of like the best way to help this person. Imagine this guy is sick and he knows that, that no one's like there for his kids. And now someone is. How much that must have helped that person. How much that must have helped that was something that could be done. It was something that was there to do. And it, you could only do that. You could only think of that. If you really put yourself in that person's position, you try to emphasize. And it's fascinating that the Torah specifically commands us, remember that you were an Evan, remember you were a slave, emphasize with the, the unfortunate people when it comes to the commandment not to corrupt their judgment. So here you're judging a poor person. You, there's, a, there's a Din Torah, someone is claiming money from this poor, poor person, someone is, has a claim against him, maybe he thinks he stole, maybe he owes the money, whatever the claim is. And the tendency is, is that we will pass judgment on that poor person very quickly and we'll think, well, he probably did it because he, you know, was desperate due to his situation and stole, or maybe he has no regard for other people's money because he doesn't really work himself. All these kind of thoughts are liable to pass through our heads at any time mm-hmm. and cause us to cast judgment on people more unfortunate than ourselves. We do it all the time. And we don't realize that this is haughtiness. That's gaiva, thinking that our good fortune is our own. We're better than them. It's due to our hard work, and we're entitled to it. And that's specifically where the Torah says, before you cast judgment, if you want to be loisata mishpat geriyasim, if you want to make sure you're not going to corrupt the judgment of a, of, of, of a convert, of a, of a yasim, of an orphan, of people who are unfortunate, Remember what it's like to be in that situation. And, and realize, you know, what it means. And then you won't be so quick to pass judgment. I, I just heard a beautiful story about Avariah Levine, Zetzal. There was a store in Yerushalayim that didn't close for Shabbos. 
unfortunate. It was a makolet. It sold groceries. And while most stores closed, this person kept it open. It was a mechal Shabbos. And Ravari Levine was terribly bothered by this. It was at a time when most stores were closed in Yerushalayim. And essentially, we're commanded to rebuke a person who's sitting like that and who's being mechal Shabbos. And Ravari Levine took a different approach. He came to this man's store. It was Arab Shabbos. Ravari Levine was ready to dress in his full Shabbos finery. He had his strimal on. And he comes into the makolot and he stands in the back and he watches and he sees people are bustling in, you know, that probably is the only store open at that time, late Arab Shabbos. People are streaming in, they're buying their ice cream, their, their cake, their, their cookies, their, what they needed. And the man is working very hard to accommodate all this business. He had a tremendous influx of business at that time. And the store owner notices Ravari Levine in the back there and, and very likely gets, you know, very uncomfortable, more and more uncomfortable, thinking that the Rav is probably going to rebuke him publicly and embarrass him in an attempt to stop him from keeping his store open. But Ravari just stood there quietly, not saying a word. And finally, just as it was almost Shabbos, Ravari approached the man and he told him, you know, it was always difficult for me to beer that you were open on Shabbos and I couldn't understand it. But now I'm watching and I understand how difficult it must be for you. You have so many customers at this time. And there's so much money that you can make. I don't know if I myself would be able to withstand this temptation or this test of keeping my store closed for Shabbos. And he gave the man a hug and he left. And the man approached Ravari Levine after Shabbos and told him, Rav, I closed my, show, my store, Arab Shabbos, just after you left. Because of what you told me, no one ever understood me like that before. And that man never opened his store on Shabbos again. And it's a tremendous power we have. It's an ability we have to truly empathize with the person and feel what they're feeling, understand where they're holding before we pass judgment on them. And in that way, we can really help them. And that's the only way that we can truly help a person is if we understand where they are and if we live with them through what they're going. And that's what the Torah tells us. The first thing is to remember what it's like to be a slave. Put yourself in that person's position and try to feel what they're feeling. Put your mind to it. Put your head to it. Talk to them. Listen. Hear what they're going through. And then you'll really be able to do this mitzvah. I experienced, you know, this year during when I was sick, something that I had never truly experienced before, which was intense loneliness. Real solitude to a degree which is very difficult to explain and comprehend, even now for myself. <laughs> hard to, 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 it's hard to relive it. And being alone when you're sick, when you're suffering, and having no real human connection is very painful. But I learned tremendous amounts from that experience, and I know now so much better how to try to relate to people who are alone, who don't have family or a wife or a husband, and I don't have their experience, but I know that I have to try to relate and I try to understand and I know how much I can do and how much we can all do to alleviate that form of suffering. That's the first point of this commandment. The second point of this commandment is is the one who redeemed you. That's why he commands you. Hakadosh Baruch is the one who decrees who is a slave and who goes free. 
And the Torah wants us to have that perspective when we're dealing with someone who's unfortunate, whether it's not judging him incorrectly, or whether it's giving tzedakah, giving matnas aniyim, giving the leket shikhapeya, parat ayulis. The Torah wants to have that perspective. Remember why he's poor and why you're not. Tzedakah can come from compassion and can, can come from pity. And, and that's right. It's midas arachimim and we should have midas arachimim. But the Torah is commanding us that it, it, there's more to tzedakah than that. You need to look at it differently. Understand that there really isn't much of a difference between us and the poor person. We were slaves and Hashem redeemed us. Hashem commands us to give tzedakah realizing that the money is given to us and put in our hands by Hashem to give to the poor person who was made that way by Hashem as well. Pasuk in Mishle, I think, Asher Barash Gashu, a rich person and a poor person, when they meet each other, Oysakulam Hashem, Hashem created both of them. And this changes the nature of how we do this mitzvah from a sense of compassion, which is important, but more importantly, now it's done through a sense of imuna and bitachim, recognizing who really owns the money, who gave it to us and for what purpose. I heard the Rosh Hashiva of Navaminsk once giving a hesped on Rebellious Sveiz And he was explaining how tzedakah really has to be given. And he was talking actually about donating time as well. And he said, if we have money in our wallet and someone wants that money, someone asks us for money. So when we give it to them, we have to part with the money. It's not easy. And even when we do it, the sense is that I'm giving you my money. And, and, and I feel like it's coming to me something for that. But if we have someone else's money in our, in our jacket pocket, we have an envelope full of money. Someone else gave it to us to distribute. So we have it in our jacket pocket. Someone comes over to us, so we give him some money. Is that hard to do? No. Not my money. It's, the, it's in my jacket pocket from someone else to distribute it. Do we feel this great pride that I am your benefactor? No, you don't. This is not your money. So he explained that every person should set apart miser, a tenth, or whatever it is you can afford to give. Set it apart. And he said you really should be have it in a separate account. The Chavetz Chaim suggests this also. Or you should have it in a, an envelope in a drawer. And once it's there, you'll say, this is not my money anymore. This is tzedakah money. And at that point, when you give it, you'll be giving it the way Hashem wants you to give it, with the realization that I'm giving Hashem's money. And that brings the mitzvah of tzedakah to a whole new level. It's tzedakah that's not only exercising our mercy, our compassion, and our pity, which are important, but now it also exercises our amunah and betachin and HaKadosh Baruch and it's amazing that it's not enough that we're giving tzedakah. Hashem demands that we give it with the proper outlook, the proper emotion and hashkafa when doing the mitzvah. And it changes the mitzvah from something that the Umas Ha'olam do, the nations of the world do as well. They are compassionate and they give charity. But this form of giving tzedakah is unique to a Jew. Giving the money with the realization that it isn't our money. Remember that you were a slave in Eretz Mitzrayim. That Hakadosh Baruch Hu was the one who took you out of there. So you're not a slave, and He is Hakadosh Baruch Hu made that call. That's why you're commanded to do this mitzvah. So Hakadosh Baruch Hu is giving us two perspectives that we need to have. If you want to do the mitzvah properly, number one, remember to identify with the person, truly identify with the person, live what he's living through, go through what he's going through, experience it. And then you'll know what he needs and you'll know how to do the mitzvah, you'll know how to identify, you'll know how to not pass judgment on that person. And secondly, remember 
Don't be haughty about this. Don't think you're better than that person. HaKadosh Baruch Hu put you in your position and put him in his position. When you give the money, give it with the amuna and bitachon, the recognition that this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's money. And then the giving of tzedakah will not only exercise your midah of compassion, the v'zachar t'kevedah yisah, but it will also remind you that by Yiftach HaShem Aleikach, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who gave you what you have, who made you what you are, and gave you the ability to do these mitzvahs. And the, t- com- the combination of these two outlooks create what a Jew is, someone who can identify with his friends and someone who can, at the same time, also internalize his Bein Adam Lamakim as well, that he is just a slave of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, we're just Avadim to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, we're servants of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and all the mitzvahs we're doing, essentially we're doing it because a Kaddish Baruch Hu gave us the bracha that we should be able to do it. He gave us the ability and the schus to be able to do these mitzvahs. Have a wonderful night and a good Shabbos. Shabbos, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.